Welcome to Witham Sounding Board, a podcast sharing powerful business tips, insights, and trends for those seeking to become a rock star in their industry. Welcome to our podcast series on the healthcare industry and M&A and deals. Uh, I'm Steve Brady, the market leader of transaction advisory at Witham and a partner working on a lot of our healthcare deals and excited to have Sydney Waltz with us today or the two of us presenting this topic. Thanks, Steve. And I'm Sydney Welch. I'm a partner with the healthcare practice of Bradley, Arant, Bolton, Cummings. Um, I represent physicians and private equity um, investors in the healthcare space and look forward to speaking with you on this topic today. Yeah, for our audience, again, this will be episode one of a series as Sydney and I dive into the topic of M&A deals for healthcare providers and other transactions with private equity, and uh, certainly excited to get going. So, I mean, to start off, Sydney, let's talk about the financial considerations of a private equity deal that uh, physician practices should think about as they're getting those calls, which undoubtedly they are. Absolutely, Steve. And really, since it's the trend du jour, those calls are coming quite frequently. And we know that physician practices usually are quite familiar with the ins and outs from a financial perspective of their own practices and are used to looking at the billings and the collections and weekly and quarterly and monthly reports. But there's some things from a private equity investment perspective that we felt like you should know and take into account because the private equity firms and other investors view practices a little bit differently than just the routine accounting practices of the firm. So they're really looking principally, and Steve, you can comment to this about how we add value to a practice in a particular specialty. Is this the first practice that the um, firm will be taking an investment of in its specialty or in its geographic area? And what steps have to be taken really to get your financial house in order and matched by the operational pieces of all of that to have attraction and get to the dollar value or number that you're looking to get out of the investment. Steve? Yeah, and I think you know you look at that and truly it is, as you said, for the physicians in particular, looking, understanding and looking at the practice differently because it is going to be looked at with through a different lens by a private equity investor. Many of the things that made practices successful up to the point of a transaction with private equity are the very things those investors are looking to invest in, but uh, professionalizing many aspects of the business is, is one example that you need to look at and really understanding the financial metrics that the private equity firm's gonna be looking at as they assess your transaction. Because again, those financial considerations are very different in certain res- respects to uh, the way the practice has been managed historically. And again, that goes throughout the industry. And it really is a shifting of gears, right, isn't it? I mean, because what you're looking at is we know healthcare is not run like or regulated like most businesses in the United States. So you're having to shift 
and move forward. And you have to look at the ultimate purpose of private equity investment and always keep that in mind. It has a time runway to it and, and a value to it. Looking to see what cost um, and expenses can be driven out of the practice and done more efficiently to improve it from a process development so that then add-ons can be done to expand the scope of the investment and really combine it with other practices and then ultimately looking to re resell the, the practice investment with a broad, bigger, broader and leaner, narrower operational cost over the time period, something that has been somewhat difficult for physician practices to do, which is also a benefit to the practice. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and certainly as you look at the practice, I mean, that's a great overview of the cost side of the equation. And we're certainly going to dig into this topic throughout the series. But, you know, the other thing is on the revenue side. And certainly, you know, we've done countless deals, as have you, on both the buy side and the sell side, either working for private equity firms looking at these transactions or practices themselves as they prepare for sale and the point is how do you look at revenue and certainly i don't have a statistic but i would probably easily easily say at least nine out of ten practices kind of gauge revenue by how much cash is in the bank and a private equity firm and other investors i mean it could be a hospital system too certainly there's there's other avenues for a practice to to sell their practice and, and merge into something bigger, but they're gonna look at revenue different and to your point and understand kind of how the practice drives revenue. So again, we'll dig into that as we go through this series. Sounds good. And should we talk a little bit about that difference in value and how the investors look at the value to the practice? Yeah, I think, you know, you touched one thing in talking about the practice that, you know, what's their geographic footprint. And, you know, I think that's an example of one of the important criteria that a private equity firm is going to look at for a practice is more broadly, what are the growth opportunities? And, you know, are those growth opportunities geographic if they're one of the top practices in a certain metropolitan area or region are there opportunities to expand that geographic footprint but that's only one of them certainly um, depending on the specialty are there growth opportunities to expand the the breadth of the services that they provide in other words bringing in other specialties within say ophthalmology there are several subspecialties obviously and that goes throughout the medical profession so you know again a, an investor is going to want to understand what those opportunities are for the practice they're going to look at it from from a revenue standpoint and again to your earlier point sydney looking at that cost structure and how they leverage existing staff existing ways of doing business and be able to leverage that as they grow the the practice so you know i think a couple other important critical areas to look at when they're assessing a practice certainly and this one probably goes first in terms of the assessing the current state of the practice but really from the quality and the depth of the practice the reputations of the doctors uh, the staff what how is the staff 
put together. And again, we'll touch on many issues revolving around current ownership, future uh, growth of the physician base in a practice, as well as the staff. And there's many issues that go along with that that we'll cover in this series. But again, from a starting point of how somebody's looking at your practice, you know, the higher quality, the more well-known you are, again, in your specialty and or geographic area and have some depth to what you're providing, uh, the better. And then finally, I think, you know, how an investor, again, whether it's private equity or a hospital system or, or other potential investors in your practice, understanding accrual basis accounting and converting what more likely than not has been a historical cash basis method of accounting into accrual so you can truly measure what the practice is doing and truly understand things like actual collection rates and actual costs of drugs if drugs is a component of the specialty that that you operate in and and getting all those numbers in a way that not only can the investor understand it but with that transaction again certainly in private equity there will be a lender also at the table uh, working with you to to get this deal done and they're going to need to understand the measurement of the business on an accrual basis, which is again something that's not commonplace throughout, uh, you know, independent physician practices. Well, I'm not going to begin to try to touch the accounting stuff. That is what you and our tax folks would work on all the live long day. But I do want to kind of round out the comments with respect to. Um, the investors looking at the growth opportunities and how the practice you know, resonates in terms of quality and marketability, because I think that those are absolutely key in addition to the accounting side of things. But it's not dissimilar to physician practices looking at strategic plans or hospitals and physicians and partnership looking at those plans to say, what does our footprint look like? Um, and is it something that bigger is better? And the answer to that is usually yes. The consolidation and market share within antitrust time um, and geographic scope limitations are certainly key to all of this. But I think it's also key to remember that you don't have to, as the practice, have the perfect deliverable all teed up already, because a lot of what's being looked at is what's the upside? You know, what is the delta that can be created by the investment? So uh, a lot of times when we're working with the firms, it's just part of their strategic plan and the initial or um, subsequent physician practices that they are investing in are part of an overall puzzle that's being put together. And I think that that dovetails nicely into not only in a particular specialty, and we all have seen and lived the various specialties as private equity has run through those, um, you know, what is the trend of the day, so to speak, but then also the cross-pollination that again is not unique to physician practices that are looking at ways to combine 
their crossover areas, whether it's in, in infertility or, for example, urology and oncology and radiology, tying those pieces together. And even um, private equity, and I'll go back to the infertility piece, looking at investments into the tech piece that would complement some of those things in addition to the traditional hands-on. What can the fund invest in that would be helpful to round out the full service delivery piece and put a bow on the package? So you just may, as the practice, be one piece of that overall strategy um, that's been been looked at, but knowing from the physician practice side where you fit in all of that and where the expansion is likely to roll out from there are going to be things that are going to have value to the practice, particularly for those physicians within the practice that have a longer runway of being involved with the practice post-sale as opposed to those for whom this may be an exit strategy. Yeah, let's dig a little bit more into the financial aspects. So Sydney, if I'm a physician and you know physician owner looking to sell, you know, what are some of the important things I need to understand about the financial aspects to get a deal done? Well, at, on the physician practice end of things, obviously you didn't get to medical school without having some degree of math skills. Um, <laughs> and so you are well versed at this point if you're listening to this podcast to talk in terms of EBITDA, which is always the magic lingo that gets used. And everybody wants to know what the multiplier um, that's being used in their particular deal and their offers that they're receiving and comparing notes to what colleagues got in a particular uh, marketplace. But that's not all. Um, there's also important considerations that Steve will round out in more detail in terms of the, the content of them, but looking at quality of earnings and assessing what the quality of earnings look like, and then also what the working capital needs are and how all of that impacts what happens to the proceeds at closing. And for particularly from the legal end of things, what we're looking at is the practice has to be careful and understand from the perspective that taking your practice to market, um, you want to come with as clean of a financial and regulatory house as you possibly can, because what you may be offered on the front side on the LOI in terms of the economics may be devalued as you go through the diligence process and there are problems, so to speak, that are identified or concerns or risk that are identified and have to be allocated financially in the transaction. So that really becomes key from, from our end of things. Yeah, absolutely. And to expand on that, as you said, on the quality of earnings side of it, you know, and what we're looking at and what investors are looking at is, you know, what is the sustainability of the revenue of the practice? And, and maybe to make it more practical than a, than a broad statement, you know, what are the trends in your collection rates by major procedure and being able to understand if the practice itself is improving its collection collection rate. And I'm really obviously looking at the net dollars that are being collected because there are a number of variables that get that go into a percentage, but making sure, you know, it's an efficient billing and collection process. And again, there are are all over the board in terms of the 
flavors of in-house, out-of-house, hybrid, um, how active and involved and, and qualified are the staff internally to really drive that assessment of collections rates, denials, and um, so that's something that certainly is an important aspect of beyond the EBITDA number. And as you said, that's bottom line. Everybody gets to that and wants to know the multiple. But again, an investor is going to look at the financial characteristics of the business. And again, certainly emphasizing the the billing and collection rate part of that. But as you've said earlier, sitting the cost side of it, making sure that the cost that um, in particular of the staff that is there to operate the practice appropriately is a sustainable number that they have the appropriately staffed. And uh, again, we'll we'll dig into this more in future episodes, but also if you look at the cost structure of the physicians themselves and how is that going to play out going forward. So number of financial considerations to get the deal done and uh, you know, I'll really emphasize and repeat what you said on working capital. It's something that, again, physician normally is not thinking of, especially if they're used to running the practice on a how much is in my checkbook and based on our formulas, how much can we distribute to the physicians on, at the end of the year on a quarterly or semi-annual basis. Understanding this in a different different way is important and you know the working capital does have an impact that takes some understanding and an education to to learn about it yeah and i think all those things work together right steve because i think from a practice understanding and evaluating of its offers and having a realistic expectation of where things are to head in the deal making sure that there's an understanding if your ebitda is on uh, your multiplier is on the higher end your compensation may be adjusted a little bit downward to make up for that and then the working capital fits and all of that how much does the firm think that is going to be needed in terms of working capital and that may impact those numbers as well you're not going to hit in other words you're not going to vegas and hitting cherries or apples or whatever it is on all three slots you're going to have some degree of variation between the three right absolutely well sydney i think this has been a great discussion to, to kick off our series and you know look forward to continuing to explore and educate our listeners how to get a deal done in with a physician practice and again depending on what side of the table you are sitting on there's different aspects and different lenses you're looking through on a deal but again especially for the the physicians out there trying to understand what this looks like we look forward to continuing to show you behind the curtain how these deals get done. I'm looking forward to getting to the finish line. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be first in line to hear what's coming next. Don't want to wait for our next episode? Check us out at withum.com. That's W-I-T-H-U-M.com.